thank you for the way you have sung together today and remembered together today and prayed together today. It is good for me to be here and I believe it is good for all of us who, as we have reflected and prayed together, know why we are here and what this is truly all about. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to show you here in just a few moments some incredibly wonderful news from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, welcome. Thank you for being here. And we encourage you to follow along and allow us, perhaps for the first time, to introduce you to this one who has been the focal point of everything we've done together today. What a blessing and an honor to gather in the name of I Am. He is our rock and our refuge. He is the one that has made everything we want to talk about over the course of the next few minutes possible. If you were with us last Sunday morning, you heard Roger as he was encouraging us to and showing us how to choose Jesus in storms. He provided a a couple of just practical things for us to remember throughout this past week and and the very first one of those was to choose fellowship over isolation and he briefly noted there toward the end of his sermon that we need fellowship we need each other and that is a word that we hear frequently in sermons in classes in Bible reading, it shows up in our songs, but I would love to spend just the next few minutes making sure we know what that word means. We heard, and and rightly so, that especially when life is difficult, we need to choose fellowship. But what what do we mean by that? When God uses that word in His revelation to mankind, He's using a word really that implies participation or sharing, commonality or partnership. But it's really important from the very beginning of our time in God's word this morning to understand that This, as God defines it and is it and offers it, shows us the way to it. Listen, it is so much more than participating together in a softball league or sharing coffee or having favorite sports teams or board games in common. This, as God extends it to us from His very own heart, is so much more than partnership in a business relationship. If your Bible is open there to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to show you incredibly good news this morning. 
And it is available to every person in this room, everyone watching online, everyone who will hear or watch what we're talking about from God's Word this morning. 1 Corinthians 1.9 begins with three precious words. God is faithful. God is faithful, and this is an opportunity that we're going to read about in just a moment, made available as Darren so beautifully pointed our attention towards. This is an opportunity available only through Him, by His grace, the, the grace of our Creator. God is Faithful by whom you. Listen to that. We're in our study of God's word this morning. We're not talking about abstract things or distant, irrelevant history. We're talking about you and your life, your creator, and what he wants to do in your life. God is faithful by whom you were called. They didn't qualify for it. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy of it. But there is news that has come to us from a long time ago. Really from the heart of our Father in heaven. And that news is calling even this morning all over this world for a response. It called for a response in Corinth 2,000 years ago. It called for a response in the great city of Thessalonica. Paul is able to reflect on ordinary men and women who lived there who had heard the news. And they had responded to the news and become the first fruits in Thessalonica to be saved by that news and their response to the news. But you see, it all depends upon God and His grace. They became the first fruits of those who were saved through sanctification. Their, their lives were transformed. Once unholy, now holy. Once separated from God, now a part of God's kingdom, His family, through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you, but listen, it's not a secret. It's not hidden away somewhere in some cave in the Middle East that nobody has discovered the, the great way to unlock this connection with God. No, they were called by the gospel. The same gospel we've been singing about and praying from even this very morning. God is faithful by whom you were called into. Now you're going to be called into all sorts of things this week. I will be called into all sorts of things this week. Called into meetings. Called into conversations. Called into all sorts of opportunities and responsibilities 
But listen, if we miss this, we're missing it all. This is who we are. This is what life on earth is to be all about. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship. We're going to dig around a little and see if we can understand that. But for right now, what I want you to see is I am being called, you are being called into something to be a part of something so much larger than me, so much larger than you. In fact, it revolves around God. So open your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 1, near the end of your Bibles. Paul has delivered news, good news this morning. God is faithful. No matter what kind of week you have this week, God is faithful. No matter what kind of burden you carry in with you this morning, God is faithful. And it is by God that we are called, called by the gospel, into something much larger than ourselves. It all revolves around His Son, Jesus the Christ. If your Bible is open there to 1 John chapter 1, you can see how John begins his first epistle. 1 John 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning. That's not you. That's not me. That's not any human being. Not anything that human beings can build. We're going all the way back to the foundation of our Creator. That which was from the beginning Somehow John had heard and seen with his eyes and looked upon and touched with his hands. He's talking about, in his own words, the word of life. The word of life that was from the very beginning. That word was revealed. It was made manifest in a way that John and ordinary men and women could see and testify to it and proclaim eternal life. That which was from the beginning at one point in John's lifetime walked among us and now based upon what happened with the word of life in the flesh, there is news that everyone needs to hear about eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Pay special attention with me to verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. The news came to us. It changed our lives. We're just trying to share this news as, as passionately and effectively as we can with you so that, what's the goal? What's the goal of that ancient letter? What's the goal of 
the baton of faith being passed from generation to generation to generation. What's the goal this morning? Wherever Christians are in every nook and cranny of this planet, what's the goal? What's our goal this morning? Our goal, my goal, is that you may have fellowship with the people God used to write our scriptures. That that we might have something in common with John who lived on the other side of the planet 2,000 years ago. And it's even bigger than that, John says. Indeed, our fellowship, this is about so much more than just getting human beings on the same human page. No, we, we come to share in something, but it's not, do you like fishing or not? Do you prefer to live in Galilee or Judea? No, it's, it's, much, bigger than, it's much bigger than what language did you grow up speaking? Who, who's, who's in your family tree? What do you do for a living? It's bigger than that. It's bigger than whether or not you live in the first century or the 21st century. It's bigger than whether you're male or female. Bigger than anything you want to talk about. Anything that might distinguish us from each other. It is fellowship with the Father. And with His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen. We're going to try with John's help to make this just as simple as we possibly can. When you answer the call of the gospel and I answer the call of the gospel and we devote ourselves to walking in the light, do you know what we enjoy? Fellowship. Let me show you that from right where we are. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship, we're participating with God. We're, we're sharing with God. We're on the same page as God. We're, we're on God's team. While we walk in darkness, someone's lying and it's not God. We lie and we're not practicing the truth. But listen to this news. As you respond to the good news and I respond to the good news and we devote ourselves to walking in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. And so would you take a, just a very brief tour with me? Let's go from 1 John to the Gospel of John. Back toward the beginning of your New Testament. John chapter 17. And let's just notice the way that John and other men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit of God described what this is like. What impact it has on a Monday. For the person who has responded to the good news 
and wants to walk in the light as he is in the light. This news, God's plan, brings us into what we could describe as communion. Is your Bible open there to John chapter 17? Start reading with me in verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Let's just pause there for a moment and marvel at the fact we are reading a prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? That the Son of God not only spent time on earth praying, but we have what he prayed. As he communicates with his Father in heaven, I'm not asking just for Peter and Andrew and James and John, but I'm also asking for those who will believe in me through their word. You know who that is? That's me. That's you today. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you believe through the word of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And would you take a deep enough breath and, and calm the noise of this past week and what you anticipate in the next week to really appreciate the fact Jesus prayed for me. 2,000 years ago, in the shadow of the cross, Jesus, the Son of God, prayed for me. He prayed for you. He prayed for us. What was his prayer? Verse 21, that they would all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And now, as we have sung, he is the way into perfect communion with a holy God. Go with me a little deeper in your New Testaments to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The gospel brings us into agreement. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 doesn't mean that we always see eye to eye on which board game is better or which sports team is better or what we ought to eat for lunch or, or, or anything like that. We're, we're not talking about God flipping a switch and, and making us all robots, but we are talking about agreement in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. That there may be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Sounds like a great ideal, but I mean, let's just ask the hard question. Is that possible? Let's go a little deeper. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and see how God paints it as not only possible, but 
who we are to be. The gospel brings us into one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. How do we come to be in agreement? Well, in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. All right, I, I need to be a part of that one body, but how, how's this going to happen in everyday life? Let's go to the next letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The gospel brings us into family. But it's really important for us to understand how God describes it. It's not a family of our own making. It's not the family of which any one of us is the head of household. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Listen. Don't have the greatest things in common with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? You see, we've been called out of the world. We're in the world and God can use us to share the light, but we're not a part of that anymore. So what are we a part of? Verse 16, we're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Verse 17, I will welcome you. Verse 18, I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. We're called into... God's family. He is the Father. The gospel brings us into community. It's Ephesians 2 verse 13. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near, not because you like to do the same things on Friday night, not because you grew up in the same city. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 17, news came. News was preached. News of peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. Through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, in this community, you're no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints. If your Bible is open there to Ephesians, look at the next chapter, Ephesians 3, verse 6. The gospel brings us into membership, but not a, of our own making, of our own clique or anything like that. No, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you can be a part of this family, God's family. You can be members of the same body. You can be partakers of the same promise in Christ Jesus 
through the gospel. Look at the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. The gospel brings us into unity, but not unity based on, well, what do you think? And hey, that happens to be what I think. No, it's, it's bigger than any of us. It's older than any of us. It is more enduring than any of us. Ephesians 4 verse 1. News. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And you know what now? As I'm a part of that and I'm learning how to actually walk in the light as, as God is in the light, He can use me and He can use you. Next book of the Bible, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. Paul says to those in Philippi, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because you're partners. We share in the partnership of the gospel. And so make sure, he tells those in Philippi, Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2, don't put anything ahead of the gospel. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And you know what will happen if we, if we practice that? It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come easy just because I did it last week doesn't mean it will in a carefree, slipshod way come out of me this week. But this gift of God can help me and it can help you finish what was started. So could I leave you? Go with me. If you haven't already opened your Bibles there to Philippians chapter 2, could I leave you with four simple ways that fellowship helps us finish what was started? Number one, we look out for each other. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. What's this look like? I mean, the, the gospel brings us into communion and agreement. One body, family, community, membership, unity, partnership, full accord. Those aren't my words. Those are God, God's words. What's that going to look like for us to practice that this week? Don't do anything from selfish ambition. Don't do anything from conceit, thinking too highly of yourself. 
in humility, count others. Look at others as more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's what Christians all over the world in the first century were told. In Corinth, brothers rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. To those in Thessalonica, encourage one another. Build one another up just as you are doing. Respect those who labor in among you and are over you in the Lord and, and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among themselves. We urge you, brothers, when you see someone who's idle, admonish them. When you know someone is faint-hearted, encourage them. Notice the weak among you and help them. Being patient with all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Let's go real quick to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. All right. That, that sounds like a good Sunday morning ideal. Look out for each other. There anything I can do on Tuesday afternoon to put that in flesh and blood? Cheer for each other. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Exhort one another every day. Who do you know in this body, this family, that could use hearing from someone. I believe in you. I'm here for you. You're not alone. I know it's hard. We'll finish together. As long as it's called today, Exhort one another that none of you may be hardened by the lies of sin. We've come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That's why we're here this morning. That's why you got out of bed. Because God in his wisdom told us in Hebrews 10, let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. How does fellowship help us finish what was started? We suffer with. We rejoice with each other. Because as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, members of the body have care for one another, and so it is in the body of Christ. If one member suffers, 
suffer together. If one member is honored, rejoice together. Why? Because we are participating in Christ's work. Would you listen with a heart full of wonder to Ephesians 2 verse 10? We, we are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Walk in those this week. And fellowship will help you finish what was started. Have you ever partaken of a meal that you had nothing to do with fixing? I enjoy that blessing all of the time. And I know so many of you do as well. Let's be thankful for servants like that this week. We all know what it is. To partake of a meal I had nothing to do with preparing. Somebody else did that. You ever enjoyed an opportunity that you didn't pay for? In fact, you have no idea how much it costs. You, you were just invited and you responded to the invitation and you were able to enjoy that opportunity because somebody else paid for it. You ever enjoyed a great blessing that you know, I don't deserve this. I, I'm struggling to understand why someone would give this to me. How amazing is their heart that they would let me share in this that I clearly don't deserve. We know what that is, right? In fact, that is exactly what Paul, in Philippians chapter 1, would have all of us to think about as we stand and sing this song in just a moment. He was able to save Christians in Philippi you know what I'm sure of? That there's plenty of things I'm not sure of, but I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you because you mean a lot to me. I, I, I hold you in my heart, but it's bigger than that. You are partakers with me. Of grace. If I could somehow put in your mind five words that you would not forget this week, those are the five. Partakers with me of grace. We began our time together this morning. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where? Where is help available? My help comes from the Lord. We sang together. 
about hearts made clean by Jesus' blood. We are partakers of grace. And if this morning you realize that you don't have this in common because you're not in Christ. You ever eaten a meal you haven't prepared? You ever enjoyed an opportunity you, you couldn't afford? Ever enjoyed a blessing you, you didn't deserve? Here's the biggest one of all. And so we're going to sing, On bended knee I come. With a broken heart I come. And maybe that's you this morning. There is such good news. God is faithful. He's calling through the gospel. Calling you into the fellowship of His Son. Calling you to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of those sins. And as you come out of those waters of baptism by faith, you are a partaker in grace. If we can help you take that step this morning, would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?